You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I've got some bad news for you, folks. Turns out, now everybody knows, man. I was saying, I've been saying, just even the last couple days, don't tell them. They all still think Aaron Rodgers hates it here. Well, Ian Rappaport finally figured it out, so Ian Rappaport finally told everybody about it. And so now probably just about everybody knows. Now you're still going to get several that are in denial and several that think that this is brand new, so it's probably just fake, or you can brush it off because they don't realize that this has been all the information for several months now. But uh, Ian Rappaport has, well, he basically came to the same conclusion I did when he heard him thanking Brian Gutekunst. Now, again, I said this is just additional information on the same information we've heard a thousand times over and over and over again. But Ian is doing his best to catch everybody up to speed on this information. Um, I saw yesterday um, this little clip from Ian Rappaport that uh, made me cringe a little bit. Let's get to the Aaron Rodgers part of it, because there were several noteworthy things last night. First of all, saying he's got to make a decision soon. We thought it would be before free agency. Sounds like it is going to be in the coming weeks sooner rather than later. He got the award. We all knew he would be the MVP. What I did not know was that he was going to go up there and thank Brian Gutekunst by name, uh, Mark Murphy by name. Remember, we spent the entire offseason last year talking about the strained relationship between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and then he wins the MVP this year. It, it was a sign of all the work that they have done in the Packers organization to get him on the same page with him, to work with him, to keep him informed, to value his opinion we saw all of that play out last night when he thanked them by name on stage when I got the MVP. You know, he has not made a decision, and we'll see what ends up happening, but there is a lot of good feelings right now between Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay and the fact that he stayed a couple of extra days after the season ended to go over things with Matt LaFleur and plan. So, again, this is, this is largely information that we've had for quite some time. But then Ian goes on to write an article about this. Um, it's not simply enough for him to mention it on a show that not everybody's going to watch, he's going to blast it again. He writes an article, he published it this morning at 6 o'clock. That must have been Eastern time because it's not even 6 o'clock here. Aaron Rodgers in positive place with the Packers as decision on his future looms. Kind of reiterates some stuff he already said. A couple bullet points he puts in there. The relationship is in a good spot. Uh, leading to optimism and hope from many involved that he will choose to return. No one knows for sure what Rodgers will do except Rodgers, and no one will rush him to do it. He told uh, NFL Network that he's going to enjoy the next few weeks and then make his call on the future. Quote from Aaron Rodgers, I've had some good conversations with Green Bay, and I'll do some contemplating and make a decision here pretty quick. Goes on to say, when Rodgers and the Packers adjusted his contract prior to the season, it cut off the final year of his deal and voided it after the franchise tag window closes, meaning Rodgers is untaggable after the 2022 season. He will be a free agent. Uh, There was also a verbal agreement to discuss a possible trade to a mutually agreed upon location if if Rodgers wanted that. So this is all kind of rehashing information that we heard back in the offseason with the additional twist that now he's happy. Here's the part of the article that is... It's not really new information, but it's it's specific, more specific. 
Assuming he stays, Rodgers will need a new deal for the 2022 season, and sources say the Packers are willing to offer him a deal that makes him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL on a year-per-year basis. And then this is where it gets a little flaky for me. Likely a short-term, perhaps two-year deal with voidable years on the back end to make it work with the cap. That would also allow the team more flexibility to tag wide receiver Devontae Adams along with other off-season moves. Now, here's what I don't know. Let, let, me, let me read that one more time real quick. Sources say the Packers are willing to offer him a deal that makes him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL on a per year basis. And then he's got a little dash dash, likely a short term, blah, 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 right? Is this still per sources at this point? Or are you giving your insight or your input into that? Because if your sources say this is a short term deal, like a two year deal, I'm not so sure I believe your sources anymore when they say that there's a contract on the table. I don't, I, I mean, this is a Ken Ingles question. I don't have any idea how that would be possible. I mean, that's, that's the issue with short contracts is you don't really have much flexibility with them. So if you make him the highest paid quarterback in football on a per year basis, what does that mean? Well, Patrick Mahomes is currently sitting at $45 million per year. So he would have to get, what, $46 million per year over two years? How do you structure that? Well, it's going to have void years. That doesn't change anything. 2022 isn't the only year in existence. You still have to tell me how this, because void years just pushes it back to the final year, which is next year on a two-year deal. So let's just ignore the dead money that still has to be accounted for, the $26 million. Let's pretend that doesn't exist. We got 46 and 46, right? That's, that's kind of where we're sitting here. Two years, 46 each year, but we want to push some money back. And again, a void year is, is not a, a thing. Like you, you, you can't have like four void years and then just go along each of those four years and, and just pay it on. the. That's not how that works. Like if you structured it where he was getting paid in 2022, 2023, 2024, five, six, and seven, but he only stayed here for two years. We're not paying in 2024, 2025, 2026, and 2027. That's not an option. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that because that's stupid anyways, but you can't do that, right? You can't just say, well, we're going to spread this out over the next thousand years and call it, you know, the next thousand years of our franchise, we'll be paying like, you know, $120 a month or whatever, some crazy thing. No, that's not, you can't do that. So what happens is when we decide Aaron Rodgers leaves, it's like, okay, pay up, which means all the rest of the money, which means the void years get quote unquote accelerated into that moment. You got to pay your tab. You can't leave until the tab is paid, right? When he's off the rolls, the NFL comes to you and says, hey, this guy's not on your team anymore. Pay up, pay what you owe. The point is, it's just too compressed. A two-year deal is too compressed. $45 million a year, even if you add, you know, and that's the other thing. Well, they're going to add five void years. You can't, it, it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't, I, I, there, there has to be something I'm missing because anything beyond one, well, I, I guess it does make sense because you can spread out um, certain things like bonuses can get spread out on a per year basis, which means you can make that go lower. So for example, um, Let's just say for the sake of easy math, he gets a, a signing bonus of $10 million. Well, on a two-year contract, that's $5 million per year because it has to be the equal amount per year has to be paid. So it's $5 million per year. If you give him one void year, you're doing $3.33333 million per year. If you do it over 10 years, it's $1 million per year. And all they really care about is getting that $1 million down for this year so that you can get this year's number, the first year of the contract, down as low as humanly possible. But again, all that money's coming right back. So the less you do now, the more you do later. It doesn't change that equation. So generally speaking, void years are, I don't want to say they're, they're necessarily stupid, 
I've, I've seen contracts in which it kind of makes sense. I mean, the, the general idea is the salary cap goes up every year. So you should stagger your, your contracts so that they're less expensive now and they gradually get more expensive. But let's say the salary cap goes up 3% a year then the contract should roughly be going up about 3% per year. And I know there's an expected massive spike and all that. So maybe they're tweaking these contracts to really spike a little bit more, which is why you're seeing more void years, because you want that spike on that year. But if you're expecting a general 3% rise and you've got like a 7, 8, 10, 12% rise, you're not doing that to be smart. You're doing that to say, we want them, we can't afford them, but we want them. And we'll, we'll just figure out how to deal with the destruction we're doing later. That's stupid. And I just, I just generally don't like how, and I think the media in general, I don't know if it's just because they don't understand it or they just love doing that thing where they call everybody brilliant. But every time somebody uses a void year, they're like, oh, they're, they're, they'll just use void years and then, then you don't have to pay it. I said it before, it reminds me of, of, I remember a long time ago when I was watching one of those, one of those shows, Jerry Springer or whatever. I don't think that was it. He's a little bit more... Um, intense than these kinds of things. But it was one of those shows. And there was just people that are like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in credit card debt. And they're like, I mean, you just, all you got to do is give them this card and then you can walk out with whatever you want. You don't even have to pay. It's like, yes, you do have to pay. That reminds me of what the media and some fans do with void years. Like, why don't they just do void years? Then, then it's cheap and it's voided. So you don't pay it or something. I don't know what the rationale is. And again, with a two-year deal, I don't get it. You can just structure the two-year deal so that it's backloaded on the second year. But, but again, it's too compressed. We still can't afford this. You're talking 45... First of all, that doesn't lower anything. $45 million a year. The current cap hit we're trying to get out of is $46 million. Well, we're going to lower it. To what? We have $27 million we have to account for, plus his $45 million per year that you want to add on to this. Because there's still money on his other contract that needs to be paid. And I'm not talking to Aaron Rodgers. That's the problem. He's like, well, they're going to rip it up so Rodgers won't get it. Or maybe Rodgers won't take. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the salary cap. There's money that's already in Aaron Rodgers' pocket that the NFL is saying, you have to account for that money. Well, we're going to give him a new contract. You still have to account for that money. There is $26.847136 million sitting in Aaron Rodgers' bank account that has to be accounted for based on your salary cap. There's no free money. There's no free rides. You don't get to rip up contracts and be like, never mind, that doesn't count. If that was the case, you can offer him you know, $100 million and then immediately restructure his contract and be like, no, he's going he's gonna to take a pay cut, actually. Uh, we, we ripped that up. That doesn't count. He's going to take a $5 per year salary, you know, or, or vet minimum contract for those of you that want to be literalists or whatever. No, because you put a million dollars. I know you did. You put a million dollars in his bank account. There's no under the table paying here. So there's, let's call it $27 million that has to show up on the cap. And then over two years, you're going to add an additional 90, technically 92 because it's highest paid. So let's just call it 46. So we've got roughly $119 million, and you're telling me it's going to be a two-year contract? Okay, that's $60 million a year. Well, void years. <laughs> okay, so here's the problem. Let's take 119 How much are we paying this year? We're going to bring it down to 30 We owe $89 million now. Where does that go? That goes in year two? I don't think so. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting a couple details wrong here, but this is not possible. Maybe some of that $26 million goes away with a new contract. I don't know. But we owe something. And even if, again, even if we owed nothing, I don't know how you do that. I don't, I don't know how that's possible. 
Because again, the benefit of a long-term contract is the fact that in the future, $45 million is not that big of a deal. So if this is a five-year deal and we pay 30 this year, and let's say it jumps up to, you know, I don't know, 37 next year, we're still under the 46, and we're at a time when the, the salary cap continues to go up. So 37 is definitely doable. The next year, again, it's, let's say it spikes to 43. But 43 in three years is not that bad. And then it spikes up to 49. I don't know. But the point is, at each and every point, you're looking at it going, it's, it's, it's high, but it's, I mean, this is doable. This is a thing that happens that we can afford. If it goes from 30 to 50, it's like, now what do we do? Well, now we got to cut him. We can't. We can't afford to cut him. So now we got to extend. Somebody's got to show me, man. Maybe, again, maybe I'm getting the math wrong. That doesn't make any sense to me. So when Ian Rappaport says um, that this is probably a two-year deal, first of all, as I've already said, if we're just talking onesie-twosie with Rodgers, I'm ready to move on. I, 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 listen, I know Aaron Rodgers coming back fixes everything, but we cannot continue to destroy our salary cap and destroy our future and pass up on any opportunity we have to trade a two-time MVP, which is not going to happen forever. If Well, we can trade him in two years. What is Aaron Rodgers in two years? How many injuries is he going to sustain? How, how much older is he going to get? And how much worse is he going to be playing in two years? Again, I don't expect him to be the four-time, four-year-in-a-row reigning MVP. So we have two options in my mind. This is going to be a long-term signing. We're looking at this going, you know what? We misjudged this. We thought you were declining. You're not. We want this long-term. Three years to me is kind of iffy, but, but okay, right? I'm, I'm, whatever long-term is in the NFL, because nothing's really long-term in the NFL. I mean, there's so much turnover, but I would feel better about four. I mean, it should be at least a five-year contract where he's on the hook for three. And, you know, it gets to be one of those things where in year four, it's getting to be a little pricey, but, uh, you know, we can talk about that. We can see where we're at. Hopefully we can keep you around, you know, hopefully you're playing well and we can just ride this thing out and keep going. I mean, he's 38. His birthday is in December at some point. So he's 38 this year. He's 39 next year. He'll be 40 in year three. I mean, if he's on the Tom Brady plan, we're not even close to being where his retirement is going to be. Not even close. Now, mentally, is he willing to play that long? I don't know. Maybe he wants to retire. Maybe he's, you know, if we're doing the whole Brett Favre thing where every year he's going to be like, I don't know, man, I don't know if I want to do this again. But again, that's another consideration. If you're worried about him possibly just packing it up after this year or the year, then let's just move on, man. You know what I mean? That two years for stupid amounts of money, I, I cannot, cannot in any way get behind that. This is a long-term commitment from the team and Aaron Rodgers. In other words, you ain't quitting, dude. Are, are you not, in other words, I don't want to know if you're coming back this year. I want to know, are you coming back for the long haul? I want a official commitment from you. See, and, that, and that's the thing. Like if I'm the Packers, I'm, I'm so scared because his retirement is a ticking time bomb. Cause again, the amount of draft capital we can get for Aaron Rodgers is not small. It's not. And every year that we're just going to bring him back and risk him saying, I'm walking away. We lose all of that. And, and, and very likely, if, we even, if he comes back even this year, the, the, the price goes down. Because again, he gets older and he's probably not going to win MVP again. I'm really talking myself into moving on from Aaron Rodgers here. This is not a one-year proposition, man. This is, we're continuing on with Aaron Rodgers for the long haul. And, and again, I need a commitment from the team and Aaron Rodgers. And the fact that this is being structured by Ian Rappaport, and again, I don't know that he knows, but the fact that he's playing this out to be you know, Rodgers is going to kind of play along for another year, maybe two, and the Packers are going to give him stupid amounts of money over two years and completely destroy this team 
so that he can come back for two more years on a slightly less good team because obviously we cannot afford anybody anymore. And then he's going to retire and walk off into the sunset and we get jack squat for it. Nope. Nope. That's not a plan. That's not a plan for me. Sorry. And as Aaron, and that, that's the other thing, Tampa Bay is beyond screwed right now because he took one of these deals. It was like a one year, let's come back kind of a deal. Well, look at all the dead money. He's gone and they, they have to carry on all this dead money from, from his contract. And they don't get Tom. And they obviously got nothing for trading him, but not that that was ever on the table. But I'm just saying, that's, that's where Tampa is. The show's over and it's like, well, that was a good run. Like, what does that mean? Well, it means we're screwed. That's what it means. I and mean, we're starting from ground zero. I don't want to start from ground zero. So again, we're either going to continue the train, as in, let's just forget all this happened and continue on minimum three years, right? Five-year deal, three years locked up, guaranteed, no way of getting out of it for either party. That's it. And if we're not doing that, then we're not doing this. Do you want to play to your 40? Do you want to play into your 40s? And I want a quick yes from you. If you're sitting there kind of having, mm, yeah, I, I think so. Give me a few days to think about it. Because guess what? In a few days, if you come back and like, you know what? I'm ready to do this. How do I know next year? You know, after, after we, what if we miss the playoffs? Is he going to want to come back? Or is he going to be like, you know what, dude? I'm, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. And then we're kind of left holding the bag, aren't we? Oh, I'm sure he could retire and we'll, we'll end up being able to void a bunch of his money and be like, I want my money back, punk. Give him my money. I paid you and you didn't, you didn't do your job. I honestly have no idea how that works, but I feel like it'd be something like that. Aaron Rodgers just cuts the team a check and says, I'm out of here. That, that, again, that needs to be where we're at. I don't want to know what you want to do this year. I want to know what you want to do for the next three to five years. There are so many people shuddering right now at the thought of Aaron Rodgers being here for three to, even Packer fans, like just picturing three to five years of more of Pat McAfee show and hearing about Joe Rogan and everything. Oh man. <laughs> I'm all for it, man. Give me those spikes in the podcast numbers. I'm, I'm good to go. But at the end of the day, again, I, this is about the Packers and there's, there's only two paths. And, and the thing that Ian Rappaport is describing had better just be his own idiotic musings because that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Anyways, he ends his article here kind of hilariously because the very next paragraph says, after last season, Roger spoke openly about wondering what his future would bring. And when he finally returned to the team with a retooled contract, was equally as open about the distrust and frustration with the team's front office. So again, he, he's looking at this, and, and he literally says, in short, it's a complete 180. Yeah, but you're making it seem like it was, it was just a recent thing. That thing started spinning right away, and it basically made it all the way 180 degrees around like three months ago. Something like that. I mean, it was a long time. Not, not even. It's already mid-February, so that would have been December. I don't know. Maybe four months ago. I don't know. And if we add in the conspiracy theory that a lot of his wanting to retire, wanting to walk away and all that was, was Shailene's influence, and Shailene's gone, then really a lot of this just completely, let's just pretend it never happened. By the way, I know I have lost all insider credibility, but I do have inside information that it is over. Um, not to say they can't get back together, but, but I did hear, I don't know, third-hand knowledge um, that uh, Shailene did in fact break up with Aaron Rodgers because of Aaron Rodgers, I guess. Take it for what it's worth. Somebody that knows somebody that knows Shailene, I guess. I don't know. Or Rogers. I think it was Rogers. Being at one of those highfalutin fancy parties helps, you know. But I don't know. That, that, again, that's, that's my official stance. Um, I can get behind pretty much anything. Him retiring would be devastating, and that has nothing to do with what I can get behind. But 
the options in my mind that I can get behind. One is he comes back long term. Two is he ends up getting traded for, you know, a haul. I can get behind either of those. Absolutely, I'm going to be upset if he retires. Absolutely, I'm going to be upset if he comes back on a short term deal. If this is 2022, 2023 in a void year, you know, like a $100 million void year or something stupid, which I, I don't literally mean that. It's obviously not going to be that, but Russ Ball would just walk out of the room like I'm not doing. I, I quit, man. I'm not playing these stupid games with you anymore. Brian, I can't do this, man. So anyways, anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? I suppose we're going to have to talk about the stupid Super Bowl that I'm not planning on even watching. It's really not a bitter thing. I just, I don't, it's not interesting. Like I'm, 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 I'm moved on already. Like the season ended a long time ago. A lot of people are like, dude, don't talk to me about the offseason until the season ends. The season ended, dude. It's it's over. Like I, I I just want the Super Bowl to end so that everybody else can start like contributing to this thing. You know, guys like Ian Rappaport and all the all the reporters, all the you know, teams 30, 30 teams have moved on. They have begun the process of talking to other players. See, I can't even take a break when I want to take a break. They've begun looking at draft prospects. They have begun looking at free agency prospects. You've got free agents that are weighing their options. You've got all this information floating out there, but all the insiders aren't really digging because they're at the suit. They're they're hanging. Out. Even I saw Ian Rappaport on that uh, that that Thursday show of Pat McAfee, basically saying he's kind of taking time off. They're out in L.A. having drinks, about to witness the Super Bowl. Like they're they're. You know, Ian was saying, we, we never really take days off, but they're kind of taking their foot off the gas a little bit. You know, they're winding down, like another season done, et cetera, et cetera. And then when this is done, it's like, all right, sleep it off, wake up, and off-season time. Not that they're completely disconnected from it. I mean, you just had Ian Rappaport give a little bit on Aaron Rodgers, nothing really insightful. Basically just, here's me reading the tea leaves on what's going on. Which again, that's really all Adam Schefter was doing when he broke his report on draft day for some reason. He was saying there was an accumulation of information that he had been seeing, and he knew that something was about to break, and he wanted to be the one to break it. So he put all the pieces together and said, here's what seems to be going on, which ended up, again, largely being entirely true. But anyways, my, my, my excitement is going to be when this is all said and done, and there's going to be a week of like, oh, the, the Bengals or the Rams are so great, and here's our interview with them, and here's our thought with them, and here's why it's so special, and here's videos of them crying, and here's this, and that, 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 that blah, 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 blah. And then maybe, maybe in a week, we can start to move on to the draft and everything else that actually matters and pertains to the Green Bay Packers. Anyways, if you guys wouldn't mind, please remember to help out uh, Drew over at uh, his GoFundMe. He was diagnosed with epilepsy and is looking to get a seizure service dog to help out. Those are apparently unbelievably expensive, and so he is trying to raise money for that. You can find his GoFundMe page pinned to the top of my Twitter. Also, remember to head over to A Modern Frontier and uh, go get you some meat. One-eighth grass-fed beef box, butcher's dozen ground beef, quarter past pork, pastured pork box. Head over to amodernfrontier.com. Don't forget to use promo code MEATPACKER. One word, all caps. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. 
So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So before we start with the Super Bowl, I'm always very, um, I don't know what the word is, but I, I like to hide the ball a lot when I have ideas and want people to reach out. The problem is nobody wants to reach out because it's like, I don't know what you're even talking about. So let me try to be a little bit more specific. I've been having some conversations with a few people on a few different things that I want to work on this offseason. The idea being, we're going to do a little test run. We're going to see if it works. If it works, great. If it doesn't, then forget it. But we're going to try it. There's three different areas that I want to look into. Number one is very similar to what we had with the arrangement with JJ for a while, which was um, kind of a, an, an afternoon show. I liked having the afternoon show, but it didn't work for a couple different reasons. I want to try that again. This one obviously is one where I'm going to set the bar extremely high, though. And if, if it's not great, then we just won't do it. It's, it uh, admittedly, it's going to be hard to find somebody that's going to be a good fit. But if you have any interest in podcasting, and if you think you have somewhat of a knack for it, in other words, you have a similar personality to mine where you can just sit down and just ramble off. Even if usually it's just in your own head, you kind of pace back and forth and think about and talk about the Packers a lot. That's probably a good fit. Let's try it. The benefit of it, although long-term you're probably not going to want to stay over here, although maybe you would because, let's be honest, you can start a podcast and get 14 listeners a day, or you can come over here and do a podcast for thousands of people and make decent money. Yes, I said decent money because this will be revenue share. And I will expect you to do this regularly, minimum five days a week. So again, ready-made audience. You can start from ground zero or jump ship on what your current project is and come over my way. Something to consider. But again, I, the, the bar is going to be set relatively high, and um, that's just what it is. But it's going to be sort of, an, the plan is for your own show, but it's an afternoon show. And you can take it if you want to leave, fine. You can take it. You can take the artwork. You can take your idea and go do it on your own. That's fine. But um, you're going to have to start over somewhere else but I wouldn't own the show. The second thing is for video content. I have, what I basically have over here is a model that works. I just don't have the time to invest in it. I have a podcast that works, that people listen to, that generates revenue, but I just barely have enough time to do my one show. I have a YouTube channel that grew rather quickly. I got it monetized. I got all that stuff. I don't have time to put anything into it. 
And so what I would like to do is kind of build out a, uh, a network of shows. This is a different model, I guess. Much less stringent. I don't need five days a week. I, I would need maybe one day a week. So you could easily have, a YouTube, have your own show and still do this on the side. Again, you're getting a ready-made audience, although it's not as big. It's only about 3,000, 4,000 subscribers. You get to do your own show. We get you a sweet little intro. And um, that would also be rev share, and you would get 100% of what you generate. Because for me, it's not about money that's generated. It's about just keeping content on that channel so we can keep it alive. Keep it alive, keep it growing, build it so that it's somewhat viable, and then I can start to invest more resources into it once it becomes something where I can't ignore it anymore. That's the goal. But I'd like to find some fun personalities, some fun shows. Uh, could be NFL, NFL draft or Packers related. I don't care. Again, as long as you can find a way to bring fun content, I'm interested. If you have a day, one day per week that you can invest in it, let's do it. And again, if you build an awesome show that people like that starts making a bunch of money, it's all yours. I'm not touching it. Anyways, the, the third idea would be sort of a collaboration between creators in the Packers space. And again, it's largely predicated on the idea that I have something over here that's working. I'm involved in a network. I've got a lot of resources over here. So if you want to come over and attach yourself to me, but don't want to give up your show and come onto my, uh, my stream or whatever, you still want your autonomy, this is maybe a way that we can kind of do both at the same time. The complication with that is generally the only way that that would work, because technically what we're talking about as a network, is it would need to be a show that has some decent download numbers. And pretty much every show that has somewhat decent download numbers gets picked up by a network by itself. But the benefit of working together is you, you know, combine all your numbers. So it would be whether it's one show with 10,000 downloads or 10 shows with 10,000 downloads, it's, it still pulls the same amount of weight. So something to consider for all of you out there. Anyways, Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Can you tell I don't care about the Super Bowl? I don't know. See, that's, that's the weird thing is this is the first Super Bowl that I don't hate. I don't hate this at all. I don't have a, I don't, I don't have a problem. I've talked about it before as far as like, you know, why I'm hesitant to root for the Bengals and why I'm definitely hesitant to root for the Rams, but I really don't care. The 49ers would have really made me mad. Um, the, the Chiefs would have made me mad. Tampa would have made me mad. None of the teams that I really don't like are in the Super I mean, maybe you could have picked a better team than the Rams, but now we're kind of nitpicking. And obviously the Packers would have made me happy, but I mean, if you just go back, Tampa and Kansas City, I hated both of those teams, so that sucked. The year before that, you had the Chiefs and the 49ers. Now, the Chiefs, I don't think, bothered me that year, but the 49ers were in it, so that sucked. Although the 49ers lost, so I guess that was good. I don't know. The year before that, you had the Patriots. That sucked. The year before that, the Patriots again. The year before that, the Patriots again. The year before that, maybe maybe this is the last time there was a, a Super Bowl that didn't bother me. It was Broncos and Panthers. And I was, I was pulling for the Broncos because um, a friend of mine has been a lifelong Broncos fan, and so that was kind of cool. I can't really remember if I had any animus toward the Panthers. I don't really remember. I know Cam generally is kind of annoying, but I don't think he was really bothering me at the time. Because he wasn't like pouty Cam. He was like super fun, happy, excited Cam. He became pouty Cam immediately after that game. But but then before that, you had the Patriots and Seahawks. Don't like either of those teams. Before that, you had the Seahawks and Broncos. Don't like the Seahawks. Uh, 49ers the year before that, Patriots the year before that, and then you got the Packers. So there's been maybe one other year where you look at it and go, eh, I don't hate these teams. Every other year, there's like, I just, I hate these teams. So Rams and Bengals, like, yeah, dude, I'm good with that. 
Plus, we all got another reason to root for Cincinnati, and that is Mike Daniels is a Cincinnati Bengal. And what a cool thing. Um, obviously, it'd be great if a bunch of other Packers won a Super Bowl, but if, if Mike Daniels can get a ring, man, that would be so awesome. Because you know he's he's getting to the end. I mean, he, he works about as hard as anybody. He kind of reminds me of Rashawn, man. He doesn't do anything but grind. That guy just doesn't stop working ever. And it's kind of a Donald Driver situation where he's clearly not what he used to be. He's not going to be a main contributor, but he's contributed plenty in his career. And if he can get himself a ring, it's deserved. You know what I mean? He's 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 paid his due. It would be well-deserved for Mike Daniels to be able to get one. And I think the entire P- Packers nation would be just beyond excited to, to have Mike Daniels win a Super Bowl ring. So, I mean, for that reason alone, um, massive, massive fan of the Cincinnati Bengals right now. As it stands, though, LA is uh, apparently four-point favorites. I don't know how much of that has to do with it being home field advantage. Uh, I do think it makes sense. See, and and this is sort of the problem with this whole thing is you look at it and go, well, yeah, the Bengals are, you know, Bengals aren't super great football team, but at the same time, look where the Bengals got. Look who they beat to get where they are. I mean, they had the toughest path. I remember when I watched the Chiefs-Buffalo game, my comment was, we're watching the Super Bowl, right? The winner of this game is very likely going to win the Super Bowl. Those are the two best teams. And Cincinnati, in order to get to the Super Bowl, is going to have to get through that cloud. I, I, I wrote them off as well as whatever NFC team win against whichever team won the game. So it's, it's always tough to, to look at it and say, well, the Rams are the better team and the Bengals aren't that good, but yet the Bengals got to where they are. And you can say, well, yeah, but the Chiefs didn't look that good and Pat Mahomes wasn't playing great. Okay, but you know, Pat Mahomes at 70% is still probably better than Matt Stafford. No offense to Stafford, but it is what it is. I will say, though, when, when, you, when you really look at it, I would bet money on the Rams. Um, the, the, the biggest couple of reasons. Number one is the experience factor. You've got the head coach of the LA Rams, who is, first of all, very widely considered to be a very intelligent coach for very obvious reasons, right? He's a smart guy, but he's also been here before. He's been doing this. He's still kind of a young coach, but he's been doing this a while. This is certainly not his first rodeo. He's been here plenty of times when we're talking about postseason, big games, all that kind of stuff. And I know I kind of wrote off the Bengals for a similar reason, saying, come on now, they're, they're not going to beat the Chiefs because, I mean, it was, it was an identical reason. Andy Reid, all that stuff. But it still stands. Matt Stafford. I mean, Matt Stafford doesn't have a lot of postseason experience, but he is a veteran quarterback. He's been here a long time. You've got guys like Odell Beckham, right? Guys that have paid their due, who've been through this many, many times. Guys like Aaron Donald. So many times they've been here. So many times they've, they've gotten close. Right? It was just it was just three years ago when they lost to the Patriots, right? So so they've been through this before. They're in the they're in the playoffs every year. They were in the Super Bowl just a handful of years ago. They're due. They're ready. They know what's at stake. Even the new guys like Von Miller, who was on the team in 2016 that beat Carolina, so he's already got a ring. But but he that's that's the point though. They didn't just go out in free agency and and get you know just anybody. I mean they they did. They got powerhouse. But but the point is guys like Von Miller and Odell Beckham, those types of guys, and and Matt Stafford. These are guys that are at the end of their rope. Now, that's a negative in terms of your future, but it's a positive in terms of this moment right here. On the other side, you've got another um, understudy of McVay, which is, again, hilarious because we talk about how in the NFC you've got all the, these kinds of teams. The team that's on the other side, Zach Taylor, was the, I think, quarterback coach for the Rams under Sean McVay. So you've got another guy that runs the same system. 
one of very few teams that that runs it over on that side. You know, Andy Reid's got his own thing, and uh, Buffalo's got their own thing, and the Titans got their own thing. But yet, this system is the one that pulled through and beat all those guys. So, yeah, this this is the the system to be. But but Zach Taylor worked underneath him. He's not as as experienced. I mean, this is their first time getting into the playoffs. And remember, they barely got into the playoffs. They were a ten win team. They they didn't just waltz in and and just dominate. In fact, the last game of the regular season, they lost to the Cleveland Browns, 16-21. to And let's not act like they've been super dominant in the postseason either. I mean, you, you talk about how luck plays a factor in this. Their biggest win was against the Raiders, 26-19, to which is not super dominant. I mean, kudos to their defense, which has been the biggest surprise to me because they didn't even have a very good defense. Name, like, I don't know, two people on their defense that are good. You can probably name some people that are not. Who, who, who's, who are some guys on that defense that you know that are good? And don't say Mike Daniels. I'm sorry, Mike, but no, we're not saying Mike Daniels here. What, Eli Apple? <laughs> that guy ain't good, man. But that, that's the thing that's crazy about this, because here's, here's the problem I see with Cincinnati. Because again, you, you, you're talking about longevity. You're talking about being consistent down the stretch. The offense is the strength of this team. You're talking about their quarterback. You're talking about their wide receiver. You're talking about Joe Mixon. You're talking about those types of talents. They've scored 26, 19, and 27 points in the postseason. That's not very much. In the regular season, they had the seventh overall ranked offense and the 17th ranked defense, meaning this is largely an offensive team. Their offense has been failing in the postseason. Their defense has dug deep and found a way to really rein in teams like the Titans and the Chiefs. But again, is that really because the Bengals' defense is so good, or did the Chiefs have a bad day? 24 points, really? 16 points for the Tennessee Titans, really? No, it's not to say that that can't happen again, but this is not a powerhouse defense by any stretch of the imagination. If you head over to PFF, their highest graded defender on the entire team has an 80.2 overall grade. It's DJ Reader. There are six players on this entire defense with a 70 or higher overall grade. Mike Hilton, the quarter, cornerback, B.J. Hill on the defensive line, Trey Hendrickson, the guy that they brought over from the Saints, Chidobi Awuzie, the cornerback, Von Bell, the safety, and D.J. Reader, the defensive tackle. So nobody is elite, right? I mean, it's it's 80 is, is very good, and there's one of them. And by the way, that's out of 41 defensive players. Obviously, not all of them are starters, but that's the reality. As far as pass rush, which is maybe the most important thing a defense can do, Trey Hendrickson is great, right? 86 pressures on 523 attempts and 19 sacks. That's incredible. Sam Hubbard, though, 64 pressures, 646 attempts is 10%. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, 41 pressures, 513 attempts. That's garbage. BJ Hill, 37 pressures, 443 attempts. That's kind of garbage. DJ Reader, 29 of 434 is garbage. Um... Cam Sample, edge rusher, 17, 252 attempts. That's garbage. Josh Tupo, 11 of 223. That's garbage. You've got one guy that's doing great, Trey Hendrickson. Nobody else is above even 10%. Even Sam Hubbard, who's at about 10%, technically it's less than. It's like 9.9% or something. So it's not a good pass rushing team outside of one guy. If you look at their defensive tackles, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like nine of them. One of them has a good run defense grade, DJ Reader, that I mentioned. Um, Mike Daniels, 57 overall grade. Uh, Damian Square, who's played one game, but I'm just going to go through all of them. 32 overall grade. Zach Kerr, 43. Larry Ogunjobi, 34 overall grade. Josh Tupo, uh, 51. 
Renell uh, Wren, who I was a big fan of, 26 overall grade. Uh, BJ Hill, 69, so you can kind of call that a 70 if you want. Tyler Shelvin, 27 overall grade. These guys all suck. There's two guys that are good, but everybody else sucks. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say this is a terrible defense. Again, according to the points that they gave up, they were mid-tier. According to PFF, they're kind of mid-tier. But a mid-tier defense does not shut down the Chiefs, the Titans, and the Rams, right? The last time, in, in fact, they played the Chiefs, and they hilariously, they actually beat the Chiefs the 17th, but they allowed 31 points. They won that game based on their offense. The game before that, they beat the Baltimore Ravens. They scored 41 points. Bottom line is, if you look at all their losses, it's when the offense can't quite pull it together. Um, they lost to the Bears. They scored 17. They lost to the Packers. They scored 22. They lost to the well. They lost to the Jets, scoring 31. I can't even begin to explain that. They lost to the Browns. They scored 16. They lost to the Chargers, 23. 49ers, 23. And Browns, 16. When their offense doesn't pull it together, they lose. And again, their offense hasn't been that good in the, in the postseason. We can sit here and brag about Joe Burrow and how amazing he looks. 27 points is the highest point total that they've scored the entire postseason. That's not that great. And they beat the Tennessee Titans scoring 19. Point is, we need to see better from the offense. If you're planning on beating the Rams and continuing this, this run with just defensive dominance, I don't know that that's going to pan out super well. Again, maybe it will. Maybe you can score 16 points and beat the Rams. I don't know. But I certainly wouldn't want to bank on that. And that kind of brings me to the other point, which is, um, I mean, the, the, the Rams are almost identical when you look at the offense and defense. In fact, they're actually both tied on offense for seventh. And they, Cincinnati, again, 17th, we're talking just points here, 17th on defense, and the Rams 15th on defense. The thing is, though, I tend to trust the Rams a little bit more when you're talking about offense and defense. I feel like they're a team that's built to be able to win offensively and defense. They have the powerhouse players. I think their their defense is overrated, but they've got the ability with guys like Aaron Donald to completely wreck a game. They have the players. We can you can name the players. You know the guys who are dominant on that team. Aaron Donald, ninety three overall grade. Von Miller, ninety overall grade. Jalen Ramsey, eighty five. Uh, Traven Howard, whoever that is, eighty two. Uh, Ogbania Okoronkwo, eighty overall grade. Ashawn Robinson, seventy five. Jordan Fuller, seventy four. Justin Lawler, 71. Leonard Floyd, 71. Um, Cooper Cup has a 70 overall grade, so that's great. On his one play in coverage. That must have been a Hail Mary play. Uh, Eric Weddle, 70 overall grade. You know, pass rush. Uh, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, uh, Von Miller, uh, Ogbania Okronkwo, uh, Terrell Lewis. I'm just listing off all the players that are above 10%. So all those guys are above 10%. It's not just one guy. And, and it just so happens that one of the guys is Aaron freaking Donald, who's probably the best pass rusher, one of the best in NFL history. Let's just call it what it is. How about run defense, though? Well, you got uh, Weddle, who I don't even think is playing. I don't know. He's only played three games. But Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Jordan Fuller, Von Miller, Terrell Burgess, Taylor Rapp, Ashawn Robinson, Ogbanio Gronquo, Justin Hollins, Deontay Dion, Bobby Brown. Those are all guys that grade out really well against the run. Jalen Ramsey right now sitting on four picks and 14 pass breakups on the season. The Bengals don't have an Aaron Donald. The Bengals don't have a Jalen Ramsey. The Bengals don't have a Von, well, they might have a Von Miller in Trey Hendrickson. But it, it, the, the point is, when I look at the Rams and I see, okay, they beat Arizona scoring 34 points. I believe that. I know that their offense can put that up. 
They scored 30 against Tampa, but they only scored 20 against the 49ers, but still won. You know why? Because they can depend on their defense to win a game. My, again, my issue is Cincinnati has won three games all because of their defense, and I just don't think that's sustainable. Now, they only have to do it one more time. Only got to win one more. I just feel like this has been a little bit of a fluky run for them, which again, that's the Super Bowl. Nobody wants to admit that. Nobody wants to acknowledge that sometimes fluky stuff just happens. It's always just the best team. And they got this far. It's obviously because they're dominant. How dare you say they don't have a good defense? Obviously they do because they got here. No, that's not how that works. Sometimes fluky stuff happens. Sometimes teams with bad defenses don't allow a lot of points. Sometimes teams with bad offenses score a lot of points. I just told you, if you will recall, the Cincinnati Bengals lost to the Jets 31-34. Write me a narrative based on that. You can't. It's a fluke. And if you don't think flukes happen, you've never watched football in your entire life. Flukes happen. The Bengals, I think, getting to the Super Bowl is a bit of a fluke. By the way, the Rams getting to the Super Bowl is a bit of a fluke. Neither of these teams is the best. They're, They're just not. Because again, getting to the Super Bowl isn't necessarily about being the best team. You get hot at the right time, uh, the, the ball bounces the right direction, all these different kinds of things. The point is, though, I think that the, the Bengals are, are really, they've been getting pretty lucky in a lot of ways that I find to be un, uh, unsustainable. Now, again, that doesn't mean they can't win. It just means I think they need to dig deep and, and get back to their core. I, I, you need a better performance from the quarterback. And a lot of people have been talking about Joe Burrow, how elite he's been. PFF, by the way, has him graded as the highest graded quarterback in the entire NFL. So he deserves all the accolades. All I'm saying is what I watched, which I have not watched hardly any Joe Burrow, but I've been watching him a little bit in the postseason. That is not an elite quarterback that I've been watching. And in fact, that's largely been backed up by his grades. Let's look at since week 12, he's been on an unstoppable run, right? So let's, let's look at it from week 12 through the last well, since forever. 92, 76, 90, uh, 79, 90, 80, 90, 73, 72. His lowest two grades have been in the last two weeks. We need to see more 90 from Joe Burrow in order to win this game, in my opinion. Again, you don't have to. You could get lucky again. You can put up a 70 overall grade, which isn't pretty... I mean, it's good. It's a good performance. And rely on on your wide receivers and whatever else to kind of continue to pull the weight to do just enough. Let's get to 24, 25, 26 points and just hope our defense can shut down this team. Plus hope the Rams kind of give us a, a, a half cocked kind of garbage performance. Like, like last week, last week, the Rams offense didn't really pull through. So if we get that again and we put up 27, we can maybe win this game. It's possible, but I think it'd be better if you just go back to your 90 overall performance like you had against the um, the Raiders, uh, against the, well, even Kansas City with an 80, Baltimore with a 90, Denver with basically an 80, San Francisco with a 90, the Pittsburgh with a 92. That's what's going to help you win. We need that again. So I, I, I guess the, the, the point for me is right now the Rams kind of win by default. They're the home team. I think they have the more established team. I think they have the better coach, and I think they have the better roster. Not top to bottom. I think Joe Burrow's better than Matt Stafford. I, you know, you can, uh, Jamar Chase is probably better than, um, well, I guess I can't even say that, can I? It's, he's better than Odell. He's not better than Cooper Cup. But it's pretty close. But I think the Rams are, are just the better top to bottom team. And so it kind of comes down to if the Rams just don't collapse like pretty much every one of the Bengals opponents have. Maybe not the Raiders necessarily, but the Titans clearly did not play their best game. The Chiefs clearly did not play their best game. 
And again, I'm sorry, I, could, I just cannot give the Cincinnati Bengals defense that much credit. The Cincinnati Bengals defense does not have what it takes to stop the Chiefs at full strength. They just don't have the capacity. So don't collapse. Don't fall apart. I'm not saying that's what I want to happen. I'm just saying that's, that's what needs to happen in order for this to go the way that I think it's going to go. For the Bengals, they have to hit on certain things. No more Joe Burrow sleeping. It's been two weeks of just kind of, eh, play from Joe Burrow. You got this far because you are the number one quarterback in football. And you only won 10 games this year as the number one quarterback in football. That shows you how flawed this team is. And again, you were, you were never supposed to be here anyways. Like, I love your future. I love where you can go if you can build because you have a lot of areas you need to improve. All along the defense, another pass rusher, some better defensive tackles linebackers, corners, safeties, whatever. Definitely need a better offensive line. I love what your what your future has in store. I think if the if the Bengals win, it's kind of a it's 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 a combination of the Bengals digging deep and doing the absolute best they can and also the Rams not doing the best they can. Also just completely being lucky that they they ended up getting the Rams because the Rams top end is not quite as good as some other teams top end. I think Tampa and Green Bay at their best are better than the Rams at their best. The 49ers at their best possibly are a better team, I don't know. Again, the Bengals have gotten pretty lucky to get to this point, period. So I'm definitely rooting for Cincinnati. Um, they can win, but I, I, I understand why the Rams are four-point favorites. I do think that they're the better team. I think they're the better coach team. I think, you know, I know that they're at home, obviously. So we'll see how it goes, and we can talk more about it a little bit tomorrow and the implications. But again, my, my biggest excitement is um, after waking up tomorrow and finding out who won, moving on. That'll be great. But I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.